physical structure is a pillar of a structured classroom. And I am always shocked, legit shocked at how many people get their structured classroom layout all wrong. If you are gearing up to transform your classroom from the empty space that we all walk into on the first day of contract to a dynamic learning classroom for students with special needs, there is one thing that you absolutely need. You have to nail that physical structure. Your structured classroom layout is literally the secret weapon to make your entire year a success. And trust me, it is easier than you think to do. Welcome to The Niddle Nook, a podcast for teachers where we break down the best tips, tricks, and tools to help educators teaching students with complex access needs and significant disabilities, including autism. I'm your host, Io, and I help teachers create the classroom of their dreams with practical strategies and actionable tips that won't leave you feeling overwhelmed. (laughs) In this episode, we're talking about a structured classroom layout and hold on to your hats here. We actually have a fantastic freebie to go right along with this episode. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, so I think this is such an important topic to talk about because having a structured classroom layout is literally the foundation for the effective teaching and classroom management that you are going to have the entire year. Plus, the space really is set up to support diverse learners, right? Like we've just got so many different types of students in our classrooms that if we don't set up some clear zones for activities and some clear visual guidelines with just the structure of the classroom, we really can't foster a sense of predictability and security that we need to be successful. So as we are setting up to support our students and provide them with safety and accessibility and fluid movement, we really have to be thoughtful about what the room is structured like. Now I'm not talking about all the Pinterest perfect Uh, things that you print up and put in the classroom so that everything is pretty. What I'm talking about is that nitty gritty layout of your classroom, moving things around so that students can collaborate and you have a dynamic teaching space and all of your students can really be successful given the depth and breadth of their disability. So as you set yourself up, (laughs) actually before you even start to set up your structured classroom layout, you have to think about the needs of your students. You want to think about the teaching style that's going to support them best, right? And for a lot of our elementary teachers, we think about group time, time on the mat, circle time, where everyone is kind of getting together. Everyone doesn't necessarily need a seat. We just need a space for everyone to collaborate, right? But when you get to middle school and high school, you better believe that your students are not going to come rushing to the mat, right? You need seats, you need learning spaces, and you may do some large group or whole group activities, but honestly, on the whole, I always default to station rotation instruction. And if you want to learn more about teaching with station rotations and the difference that it can make in your classroom, please head over to noodlenook.net and check out the blog post just on that topic. Now, most students in autism units and life skills classrooms and special ed classrooms do not really work the best in large group instruction model, right? It's just a lot of times it just has to do with poor auditory processing and difficulty with attention and comprehension and sometimes language. So in special ed, we always have to do things a little bit differently. And really, that's where our structured classroom layout becomes so important. So I want to share with you the four parts that you are really going to need as you start laying out your classroom. I want you to consider these four things. 
Number one is clear zones and purposeful areas. You know, do you ever watch those home makeover shows on on cable where uh, they come into a terrible looking space and they're walking through and they've just got these faces of disgust as they walk through and they say the same thing over and over again, right? They're really not defining this space. We really need to define this space. And the reason they say it so much is because how you define the space, how you visually lay out the physical space, it really has an impact on how people use it. So when we design our classrooms with distinct zones for various activities, like an area for small group, an area for independent workspace or independent work study, um, a sensory break area or an area for sensory stimulation, maybe a calm down corner or a quiet reflection area, When we define those zones of our classroom with a specific purpose, it's just so much easier for our students to understand and engage in the thing that we're asking them to do because the space is like leading them to it, right? So the first thing, clearly define the zones and create purposeful areas. The second thing is to use visual supports. Now, not all of our students are gonna react to the zones that we've set up. They need that visual support, those visual aids to help it all make sense. These are things like schedules and labels and cues and task analysis with visual supports that we might put into the classroom to help our students navigate the space. So these visual supports, they really do add another layer of predictability. They help students reduce anxiety, which makes transition better, which reduces the likelihood of behaviors. Are you seeing where I'm going here? So, so important, right? So we wanna enhance this for our students so they are able to navigate and understand the space with visual supports to do that. The third thing is we want to minimize distractions. Now, for some of our students, they're looking for sensory stimulation, and we might have to be purposeful about adding those things in. But on the whole, I want you to really think about the sensory sensitivities of students and how that might impact attention and cause attention challenges. So you want to keep the room organized and set things up in a way that's going to maintain that organization throughout the school year. You wanna minimize visuals and auditory distractions that could become overwhelming to students. Consider your lights, the sounds, the smells, everything that's going on inside of the classroom that go into that sensory input piece. And the fourth thing here is flexible seating, right? Most of us are teaching in pretty small classrooms, so we don't have spaces for all of the things that we do all of the time. Some of our space might have to pull double duty, and to make that easier, it's really helpful to have some flexible seating so that students and you are able to alternate the seating arrangement really easily to cater to the needs of the lesson of the day, the students, their sensory needs, behavior episodes. So we want our seating to be flexible. We wanna be able to move it around a little bit. Anyway, if you start with these four things, it's a great starting point for getting physically set up in your structured classroom. Now, a question that I get a lot as we start talking about this is how to define the space in your room, right? There's a lot of things going on in our classroom and defining the space really makes it so much easier to get things done. But how do you define that space without going broke at, you know, the Target or Ikea or or the dollar spot? I mean, it it could go on and on. We don't want to go bankrupt trying to define the space in our classroom. So I want you to think about how you can use things that are already in your room to help define the space. 
If you head over to the blog at noodlenook.net, um, you will see, and I will link that in the show notes, you will see a list of different items inside of your classroom that you can use to help define the space and exactly how to get that done. So definitely head over there and check that out. The other question that comes up a lot is, can the structure of the classroom or the layout that I choose for my classroom help me manage behaviors? And honey, the answer is yes. (laughs) Back in the day, we referred to students who like to elope as runners. Uh, I don't know what you young kids are calling them these days, but I've had a runner or two in my day. And I can tell you that um, the last thing that you want to do when you have a runner is offer a clear path to the exit door right? So you are going to craft your classroom with strategic barriers and, you know, gentle obstacles, right? We're not pinning our students in, but we are providing a little obstacles um, to get us those three to five extra seconds that we need to spring into action if necessary. So if you are dealing with a student who might be, you know, kind of a, a runner, it's essential to scrutinize how you've laid out the spaces in your classroom and how accessible you've made the door. So as you are working with students who have behaviors, I really want you to think about a couple different things. I want you to really strategically think about your entry and exits, right? Map out how students are able to get into and get out of the room because these ins and outs, (laughs) literally and (laughs) metaphorically here, the ins and outs are what's going to break you, right? You want to have things mapped out so that students are getting a little bit of barrier and mental reminders with those visuals about how they should appropriately enter and exit the classroom. That kind of additional layer of incentivization inside of your classroom will help a lot in terms of behavior and behavior expectations. The next thing is to make sure that you've got focused spaces that are going to help you support student behaviors. So I want you to think about a few different things. Do you need a calm down corner within your classroom? And this would be a space maybe that has visual supports, social stories, calming hands-on tactile tools, um, something that the student might find comforting to redirect them from their negative behavior. Is this something that you need? And if you do, I highly suggest you check out the post on the blog about setting up your own calm down corner. It will give you lots of great tips on how to get that done. The second thing that you might need here is an isolation area. Sometimes our students need to get away from all the stimulation and get away from all of the demands. And in order to make that happen, sometimes they run out of the room, but we don't want that. It's better if you can set up a space within your room that maybe isn't a calm down corner, but just isolation, right? No visual stimulation, no auditory stimulation, no tactile stimulation. We're kind of set off a side where we can take our sensory input and just turn it off. So do you need an isolation isolation station in your classroom? And then think about how you can incorporate other behavior tools into the space. How can you set visual timers to help support your students within the structured layout that you've set up? Where can you put calm down jars or fidget toys within the confines of your structured classroom so that they're easy to access for students if they are having behavior issues? And how can you incorporate choice boards more into your classroom so that students are able to really navigate that defined space with a little bit more visual supports and understanding, right? We wanna really be careful about how we orchestrate the space so that we can help students to be successful and we aren't always chasing after students down the hallway. Not that that's me. 
Okay, it's totally me. <laughs> Couple other things to consider is your line of sight. I once went to support a new teacher who was so proud about the way she had set up her classroom. And when I walked in the door, I could tell she was so excited to see me, to show me what she had done. And when I looked, I was like, you're gonna have to do this all over <laughs> because there's no line of sight. There are so many areas in the classroom that you can't see. And we just can't have that. We need to be able to see with clear visibility what's going on in the room because that's how we maintain our supervision and how we maintain good engagement. So really, really think about your line of sight and also think about your transition spaces. If you know that your students are going to be transitioning between activities or to different areas of the, of the campus or, or school, you're going to want to set up some transition zones that help students to navigate the process of lining up or manage dismissals better, or maybe even be ready for fire drills, depending on how you have your classroom set up. So getting these transitional zones and using some visual labels in those zones can really help students to be successful. And again, you're doing this by controlling the physical layout of your classroom. So I have a fantastic freebie for you, which is going to give you a couple of checklists that you can work through in order to find out if you are setting up for success or setting up for failure. If you would like to grab that, head over to www.noodlenook.net slash layout checklist, again, slash layout checklist, and grab that free printable. It will help you a lot. And if you are still not sure if you need it or you're trying to figure out how things are going in your room, head over to the blog at noodlenook.net um, all about structured classroom layouts because what you will find there is there is a three-part question series at the end of the blog post that might just help you help guide you as you're getting things set up. So between those supports, I have total faith that you are going to be able to rock this. As we wrap up, I just want to remind you that if you are a checklist kind of person, then you need to download the principle that I have out there for you. You are going to head on over to www.noodlenook.net slash layout checklist to grab that. It is a free principle, and you can never go wrong with free, right? To help you through the process of setting up your structured classroom. And you are going to love this as you are working out any of the kinks that you might have in your layout. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss out on more content, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to us right now. And guess what? We are also over on YouTube if you like to watch versus listen. Thanks again for tuning into The Noodle Nook, a podcast for teachers just like you. We need all the great teachers we can get. So this is Io here reminding you to stay strong and teach on.